0: Hola Conchitas, welcome back to the Subconscious Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie
1: Cortez. And I'm your other host, Evelyn Salazar. And this is episode six of season two. In honor of May being Mental Health Awareness Month, we thought it would be a good idea to end the month with a topic that discusses the importance of taking care of our mind. And who better to do that with than our other than our guest for this episode, Mindset Coach Pam Axe. It's hard to create
0: a vision of what's possible, much less take steps forward when the internal, external note is trying to talk you out of what you want. That's where Pam comes in. She helps us change the negative thinking into a positive one, where you can believe in yourself and everything you can accomplish.
1: We hope you enjoy and learn something in today's episode.
0: And because it is Mental Health Awareness Month, please refer to this resource if you are struggling with your mental health, etc. SAMHSA's, or S-A-M-H-S-A-S, National Helpline, 1-800-662-4357, also known as the Treatment Referral Routing Service, or TTY, 1-800-487-4889 is a confidential, free, 24-hour-a-day, 365-day-a-year information service in English and Spanish for individuals and family members facing mental and or substance use use disorders. This service provides referrals to local treatment facilities, support groups, and community-based organizations. Callers can also order free publications and other information.
2: Pam Max is a cutting-edge mindset coach and creator of the What's Within You website, where Pam helps people change from the can't narrative in their heads to one that can and does. So before we really jump into this episode, Pam, I'm going to ask you a fun question. Where is somewhere you've always wanted to
3: travel to? Oh, Norway or Sweden. I want to go see the Northern Lights. Yeah, those those are are good choices. Yeah. It's on my bucket list. So yeah. When we can Evelyn's travel traveled more than
2: I have, what do you think of her choices, Evelyn?
3: I think <laughs> that's
1: awesome. I think the Northern lights are like magical and I want to see them like I just in pictures, they look insane. So I want to see them in too. person. Yeah. Pam, mm-hmm. we should all go together. Oh my
2: God. Okay. Let's
3: do it. Let's do it. We'll <laughs> <Down. a trip. laughs> awesome. Let's do it.
2: So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Pam?
3: Oh my goodness. Well, I'm a quote junkie of the highest order. Some people collect baseball cards and spoons from all over the world. I collect quotes and I absolutely love them. I find them to be inspiring and they help me with my writing. Um, what else can I tell you? Uh, I'm a Peloton groupie, cause I gotta get that uh, adrenaline hit before I get my day started and the serotonin flowing into my brain. Sorry to geek out on you guys. <laughs> what else? Um, oh my goodness. And oh, love, love, love geeking out on all things mindset related. If you were to take a look at my iPad right now, you would see it filled with tons of books from neuroplasticity to positive mindset.
1: I love that. I love all of that. (laughs) What made you decide to become a mindset coach?
3: Oh gosh, that's a great question. So I didn't start out as a mindset coach. I started out coaching around transition because I was going through transition. I was in the process of going through a divorce or finishing up a divorce. And there were a lot of changes in my life. So it seemed logical to start coaching other people around transition because that was something I had great experience with. As I was coaching, I noticed that more and more of my clients were coming to the coaching conversations, telling stories. And what I mean by that is, you know, the, the stories of can't, not good enough, uh, I couldn't possibly do that, imposter syndrome, all those things that get in the way and that were getting in their way of getting to where they wanted to be in life and to, you know, having the things that they wanted. And so that really fascinated me. And as somebody who's been a lifelong learner and dealing with my own crappy stories in my brain, I decided, you know, there's something to this. And so I set out on a quest to figure out what makes us tell those stories. And that's how I kind of became a mindset coach. And I've been doing it for years. I love it. Absolutely love it.
1: That is awesome. I love how you
3: said that it's like a quest that you just decided (laughs) to take on. Yeah. Yeah. Slay those mental dragons, so to speak.
2: To be honest with you, I had no idea what a mindset coach was, but when I was reading your website and like, you know, what kind of made you propel into this profession, I guess, not going to lie. I was a little intrigued to know your background because you're like, you know, I haven't faced like really, really tough stuff, but I've been in situations that have been rough that like, but that's the thing. I don't think it's fair to undermine our situations because I'm a believer that everything happens for a reason. Yep. So. You know, I guess you were meant to be a mindset coach.
3: I was, I was meant to be a mindset coach and it starts way back, believe it or not, when I was 10 years old, when I, (laughs) when I got my first, (laughs) my dad came home with a book called TA for Tots and he gave it to me because I was feeling challenged with some of the negative thinking that I was having, but I didn't know what to call it going back and retracing my history. I've been doing this since I was 10. I'm now 54. So what? That's 44 years. My math is correct. <laughs> so yeah, long time.
2: I feel like there's a perfect segue into like my question that I have here for you. What exactly is a mindset coach?
3: Well, that's an awesome question. So a mindset coach is someone that helps you become aware of those stories that play on a loop in the background. They keep repeating themselves and we all have them. We all have what's called negative bias. So a mindset coach helps us to, you know, become aware of those crappy stories so that when we become aware of them, we can rewrite them or we can leverage them so that they're not stopping us from you know, accomplishing the goals we wanna accomplish or, or bringing in the things that we want in our lives personally and professionally. And you know, as human beings, we're great storytellers. I mentioned negative bias just a minute ago and what that is really, we're born with it. We have our prehistoric ancestors to thank because they had to have negative bias Otherwise they'd be attacked by saber-toothed tigers and woolly mammoths. So it was something that kept them on high alert so that they could be aware of dangers. Well, now what we have is the danger that plays out in our head. The stories that we tell ourselves of not good enough, imposter syndrome. Oh my God. There's so many to name. And so as a mindset coach, that's what I do. I help people create awareness around those stories so that they can find a, a better telling story.
2: I actually want to touch on something that I have seen on your website. Here, you said, like, there's something else you should know. I've been on a quest since the time I was about eight years old when I read my first help book, TA for Tots, a quest to mm-hmm. figure out how to stop all the crappy stories that played on a loop in my head. The stories that ultimately kept me as an adult, a codependent, people pleasing peacekeeper, and someone yep. I ultimately wasn't. So, yep. what I wanted to ask about that is like, because I'm assuming you have a variety of clients, but is that the most common? behavior or mindset that these that they come in with like that they're codependent they're very people-pleasing peacekeepers
3: no not necessarily some are what i call have wonder woman or superman syndrome like this like the savior complex well savior complex or i've got to do it all to prove my worth everybody Mm. is so unique in their experiences, every experience, just to basically explain it, every experience we have ever had, positive and negative, creates an impact on us in one form or or in one way. And it's that impact that creates the feelings we have, okay, that also can create the beliefs that we have. So what we believe impacts how we see the world and how we show up, what we do, what we don't do. And maybe even to make it even more relatable, you guys have a favorite outfit that you absolutely love in your closet? Yes. Okay. So have you ever had this experience where one morning you wake up, you feel really good. You go put that really cool outfit on, you stand in front of the mirror, you're sweating yourself. You're thinking, damn, I look hot today.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes.
3: Okay. And let's say, you know, you get up a week later and you had a bad night's sleep because maybe you had a fight with your significant other or your best friend you get out of bed you didn't get out because the alarm clock didn't go off so you're running late you're feeling kind of crappy you go in your closet you think okay i'm gonna put that outfit on you go put your favorite outfit on you stand in front of the mirror and you think ew what was i thinking this outfit looks terrible nothing mm-hmm. has changed not the way you physically look not the outfit but what's changed is your thinking your mindset
1: and that's yes, what
3: happens. that's what happens. Our mindset really impacts how we see ourselves and how we see the world around us.
1: That's why it's so important to take care of your mind, because it is like everything. It has a domino effect for literally everything that you do. Oh,
3: absolutely. We put a lot of emphasis on what we feed our bodies. There's gazillion articles on what to eat, what not to eat, how much water to drink, we're just now starting to put emphasis on what we feed our brains because what we feed our brains and I'm not talking about food, I'm talking about the things we say to ourselves has a great impact on the energy that we, we put out into the world, on how we show up and on what we believe or don't believe about our abilities and our capabilities. And so that's why mindset is really, really important and good mental mindset health is crucial.
1: Yeah, I love all of this. This is like so up my alley. I'm <laughs> always like reading everything about this stuff. I love it. You're great.
3: <laughs> Aw, thank you. I appreciate that.
2: Well, like I was going to say, I feel like the mindset thing, well, like I feel everybody has it, you know, like even when they're kids, mm-hmm. when they're teens, and yeah. they're adults. For me personally, I'm going to be very, very honest. I don't think that mindset started to change until recently. They mm. like. I can't do this or I can never do this too. Like, you know what? Fuck that. Yes, I can do it. I'm a bad bitch. Yes, I can get this done. (laughs) Yes, I can accomplish this.
3: But I feel
2: like it was very, very recently. And for me, it's because I was dealing with, I hadn't dealt with some trauma and Mm -hmm. I hadn't put in the work to really Mm -hmm. work on myself, uh, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And it wasn't until I started prioritizing my mental health that things started to change
3: absolutely absolutely
1: oh yeah there's a quote you may have heard this since you're a (laughs) quote collector that I've lived by this quote ever since my dad told me when I was really young and it's if you change the way you look at things the things that you look at will start to change yes and that's how I try to live my life because everything can be the same it's just the way that you're altering your mindset on how you see
3: it Absolutely. Absolutely. And my hat is off to both of you. I mean, first of all, that quote is awesome. Secondly, Stephanie, you said something about doing the work. Yeah, this is what it requires. We don't have a magic pill. I can't give you a pill and say, here, pop this pill and it's going to make your mindset change. We don't have that. What we do have is our own willingness to want to change. And if there's that willingness to want to change the mindset, if there's that motivation to want to get out of the pain that our mindsets create, we will and we can change our mindset. We really can And it, it's not a complicated process. It really isn't. Most people think it is, but it really isn't a complicated process. It's just work. Process. It's building a habit.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's like similar mm-hmm. to
3: going to the gym. You can't go to the gym and expect after one workout that you're gonna you know, be ripped. You have to keep working those muscles. It's the same thing. It's continually working the, the brain, the mindset to forming new habits. That is what is gonna help make that shift, make that change.
1: Definitely. I feel like there's a lot of people that think it's so hard to change their mindset and it's easier to just, you know, stay comfortable in what you've Mm -hmm. always been in and what you've always thought. And I really do believe that if you want to change, you have to push yourself because you really, there's so many people that say they want to change, but they don't really want to change if they're not willing, you know, to put in the work into their mind.
3: Yeah, no, and and change is, is difficult for a lot of folks because it requires some unknown. And we don't always deal with the unknown very well. But I think you said something that's really important. It's doing that work and being wet, ready, willing and able to do the work. That's really critical.
1: Why do you think people struggle with setting boundaries and establishing saying no to things they don't want to do?
3: Oh, that's another awesome question. Stories. Stories we tell ourselves, stories uh, like I'll tick someone off if I don't do this. Uh, I have to do it all. It it has to get done. And so I should do it. The stories of um, I don't want to burden anyone, stories of I have to prove my worth, the stories of I feel obligated. And each person comes to the table with a different story that keeps them from establishing those boundaries or saying no. So yeah, it's the mindset.
1: It really is. Yeah. When I was younger, I used to, even until I was probably around 16, 17 years old, I had a very hard time saying no to people. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I was a people pleaser. Now I feel like I still am in a lot of ways, but I've grown so much that I'm able to tell people my thoughts and tell them no, or like kind of like stick up for myself, you know, and put myself first. I used to put everyone else before me and I learned around 17, like not everyone deserves that side of you. And you don't need to do that for everyone. And you have to take care of yourself. And it's not a selfish thing. No, It's, it's something you have to do. Everyone
3: has to do every now and then. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think people pleasing is a part of obviously not being able to say no, we don't want to tick people off. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want to upset them. And but at the end of the day, something I read, I don't know if you guys have read the book Untamed by, by Glennon Doyle. But she said something in there that really hit home for me around, p- particularly around the ex- other people's expectations and boundary setting and saying no. And what she said was, it is your job to disappoint as many people as you, as you have to, in order to not disappoint yourself. Wow. You know, at the end of the day, if you're saying yes to things that you don't want to do because you feel obligated, you're disappointing yourself. You're letting yourself down. And that can create all sorts of things like resentment, for example, and anger towards another person, which obviously isn't, uh, you know, I know for me personally, is not a place I want to come from. I don't want to come from that place of anger and resentment. So I'd rather disappoint them in the short term than disappoint myself.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think for me, because I'm a first generation and I'm the oldest sibling mm-hmm,
3: and maybe mm-hmm. Evelyn
2: can relate to this too, but I, gr- I grew up in a Mexican household. Mm-hmm. so I was always expected to follow whatever my parents expected out of me and told me to do if it was having to take care of my siblings when we were in school I, I did that if it was having to help with some papers or documentation I did that I, I was always putting whatever my family needed before whatever I needed and in the long run you know it did end up affecting me in a lot of ways because I guess in the way my parents got used to me always saying yes you know yes. 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 Mm -hmm. And because I was scared if I said no, I'd be in trouble or like, you know, or somehow I'd be a bad child or whatever. It wasn't until like college. (laughs) So I guess like 18, 19, when I was like, oh, I had this like newfound freedom or, you know, people are telling me like, no, like you can make your own decisions. You can make your own path. You can choose what you want. And I was a little mind blown. And I was like, what? I, mean, <laughs> I have the power to do that. But I actually didn't give I didn't give all the way in, you know, like, I think I had to like slowly start building there. Because literally yeah. last year, again, I'm telling you, this has all been very recent for me, which is crazy. I don't know if you were meant to come into my life right now. Because everything you're saying, <laughs> like, I feel a little attacked. But, <laughs> but last year, I actually started setting boundaries. With my parents, with my family members, with friends, even with myself, just because like, I couldn't keep saying yes to everything. And what maybe you don't know, Pam is that last year, my sibling Edsley went missing in April of 2020, oh and they're still missing. So when they went missing, of course, all my attention and everything went there. But sure. I've mentioned in the previous I, men- I mentioned this in a few episodes in season one, but what I was saying was that I was drowning because everybody was expecting everything out of me and I couldn't like I couldn't breathe I felt suffocated and it was like I felt like I had to say yes because my family needed me because my missing sibling needed me and you know it was the right thing to do but at the same time like I just I couldn't breathe like I was honestly struggling and like I told you like it wasn't until like I had like I had to take a pause I had to like step away and I said this for my for my own sanity for my well-being I need to start establishing boundaries and say like no I can't do this or I can't keep doing this it can't just be all me and not gonna lie with not gonna lie to you it was hard
3: oh sure um
2: because it's my family and Mexicans are very well at least in my experience my Mexican family is very traditional Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. for someone to like so for me to like be pumping the brakes and say like enough is enough, like, no, like I can't do this anymore. Like, no, I can't do that. No, I need this space. No, because I need to focus on this. They were a little caught off guard and would say like, oh, Stephanie's having a mental breakdown. Oh, Stephanie's struggling or Stephanie's dealing with demons. And when really it was no, like I was actually finally coming to the conclusion that it was okay for me to say no. And it was okay for me to not please everybody because at the end of the day, I just needed to please myself.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that too. And I, and I, I sorry to hear about, about your sibling. That's took, took my breath away for a moment, but you know, Stephanie, I think what you just demonstrated was how prevalent stories can run. Many years ago, my own coach said to me, we teach people how to treat us based on what we will and won't allow. And it really is true. It goes back to what you were saying. People were expecting you to say yes because that's what you always did. One of the most selfless things we can do is sometimes say no because we're not only saying no to something that doesn't work for us, but we're saying no out of respect in truth telling to someone else. And that helps to create a better relationship. You know, I often think about before I say yes to something, if it's something that I don't want to do, how would I feel? If someone said yes to me when they really didn't want to, and they did it anyway, I think I'd pre- feel pretty bad. I'd want somebody to be able to be honest with me. And so in, a, in our ability to say no to the things that we can't accomplish or can't do for someone because we're either a, like you said, drowning, or it just isn't something we're capable of doing or don't want to do. We're actually doing a, a great service to the other person in telling them the truth. My hat is off to you. That's not an easy, that's not an easy thing to, to go through. And it's definitely not an easy behavior to change and an easy dynamic to change in relationships, particularly when people have counted on us for so long to be the go-to gal to do, to do things.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That shows great growth. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> growth. We love to see it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I feel like we talked a lot about, you know, people that feel like they're not good enough or Mm -hmm. that they, you know, they have trouble setting boundaries and that's probably people you deal with a lot of those people. I'm wondering if you ever deal with people who their mindset is the opposite of that, where they're kind of like, I'm the best. I do everything for everyone. And maybe they're a little bit narcissistic or egotistical and, if you have to kind of do it like the reverse way, because like mindset is, you know, it's great. And, but there's so many different types. Right. Of mindset. Right. And it's like, yes, take care of yourself. But there are some people obviously out there who don't take into account anyone else's feelings or mm-hmm. things like that. So how do you, do you have, first of all, do you ever get like those clients like that? And how do you kind of deal with it going backwards the other way with still being able to, you know, take care of yourself and have those boundaries for you, but also open up to, to others type of thing.
3: Very rarely have I in the 16 years that I have, I may have had one client over, over those 16 years who was the opposite end of the spectrum, but I do have family members. <laughs> so I have some experience with, with the, oh, it's all about me. And aren't I wonderful? Let me talk about me some more. So, Hey, my favorite line from beaches, uh, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that is rooted in insecurity as well, that overinflation of I am the best. And I think it's great when people feel really good about themselves. And I think you can tell you can there's a difference between arrogance and confidence, And so a lot of the times when that arrogance shows up or that narcissistic personality disorder or whatever the case may be, where, oh my God, I'm the best of the best of the best of the best, that's rooted in insecurity, And that's a cover up for the fact that they may not be feeling all that great you know, mm. at the root of it. And so, you know, if, if somebody is really aware that they've got those tendencies and they want to work through it, that would be a, a wonderful place to start. Um, there's a, I don't, I don't know if you guys are familiar and you may not be cause she's past name is Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and she did a lot of work around grief. But the reason I bring her up is because she talks about, there are only really two emotions, fear and love. Everything else comes from those emotions. So if you think about insecurity and you think about all the things that we've talked about, a lot of those are anchored in fear, and so figuring out what is it we're really afraid of is really helpful. And that works with people who are on one end of the spectrum versus the other. Um, but again, with somebody who who is really narcissistic and want and you know, it, it's a matter of helping them to get to a place where they really want to make changes, but they have to want that first. And that's what exactly yeah. that It's not just person a person who's narcissistic.
1: Yeah. I feel like they have to, you know, it's kind of interesting that you said that over the 16 years, you've only ever really had one client like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's interesting in itself because yeah, I feel like if it's people who are on that side of the spectrum, wouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. want to go to a mind coach, like they wouldn't think of that. Yeah. Ever. No,
3: no. Most of my but, clients are pretty aware that there's something standing between them and going after what it is they want. And they want to figure out why. They want to figure out why they can't get that job promotion. They want to figure out why it's really hard for them to find the love of their life. They want to figure out why they can't make the money that they want to make. They want to figure out why whatever it is, is standing between where they are right now versus where they want to go. And so most of my clients are coming to me because there's something they want to achieve. They're just having a difficult time achieving it. And they want to figure out why. That's great that you get to help people (laughs) figure that out.
1: I love it. Love it. Absolutely love what I do. So my final
2: question here for you, Pam, how do Mm -hmm. you help people change that mindset and what's something they can do now to start the process of changing from the can't narrative in their heads to one that can and does?
3: Well, I think first and foremost, one of the things I do, I ask a lot of questions. I've always been curious by nature. So coaching was a perfect fit because I do ask a lot of questions. And I think in asking those questions, questions, I'm able to help clients create a deeper awareness around the stories they're telling themselves, getting to the root of those stories so that they can rewrite the story in a, in a better narrative. You know, when I think about how I help people, I think of negative bias and negative stories similar to bacteria. If you put bacteria in the dark, it grows, it grows, it grows, it grows. Just like the stories that grow in our heads. They grow, they get bigger, they become more magnified, they're more intense, they stop us from taking action, they keep us playing safe and comfortable. So as a coach, one of the things I do is help them to, you know, shine a light on those stories so that they shrink because bacteria doesn't grow in the light and neither do negative stories. So if we shine a light on those stories and we call them out for the lies that they are, we are more apt to be able to decrease their strength and power and control. And one of the things I tell people that they can do starting right now is pay attention to your internal GPS system, your feelings. If you're feeling crappy, there's a reason you're feeling crappy. Check in. Is there something going on inside? Is there a story that you're telling yourself that you need to be aware of? And if there is, refocus your attention onto something else. Like for example, deep breathing, you know, focus your attention on your breathing, focus your attention on what's surrounding you right now. Yeah. I'm noticing my desk. I'm noticing my chair. I'm, you know, noticing my water bottle. It it sounds silly, but when you refocus your attention off that negative thought, you're not only diminishing the power, but you're actually to get geeky on you guys, weakening the neural pathway that, that, that story uses and creating a new neural pathway in your brain. So you're telling your brain, this is not a thought I want to have anymore. I'd rather be doing this. And so that's something people can do starting right now. It's just tapping into how you feel. And if you're noticing negatives, you know, refocus your thoughts, refocus your your attention onto something else. The other thing I like to do is I have a magic question that I like to ask. And that is what would I see or feel if I didn't see or feel this, whatever that negative is, because that helps shine a light on the truth. So if I was, for example, seeing not good enough or feeling not good enough, what would I feel instead if I didn't feel not good enough? Just my tips, my, t- my tricks <laughs> you can use.
1: I love that. I feel like, like our minds are always going. We're a society that's kind of been prepped to always just go, go, go. Like, mm-hmm. what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And a lot of people struggle or don't realize that it's okay sometimes to just slow down to literally just kind of pause. And like you said, I know some people that think it sounds silly, you know, to be like, all right, let me just focus on what's around me. But that's a practice that I use too. Another one I like to do is I will just start breathing, close my eyes, and I will pay attention to the sounds around me. I'll classify them into, okay, is that a man-made sound or a natural sound, nice. man-made sound, natural sound. And it's just like a little technique that just has me focused on that. And then you're like, "Whoa!" you just feel so much better. You know, it's, it's the simplest things that can make you feel so much better. When people tell you just breathe, you know, people say that all the time when you're stressed, just breathe. And it's like you breathe every day, but sometimes you really aren't just, just like focusing on that breathing, just slowing down to get your body back to like this, neutral state of not being stressed or, you know, all these other
3: emotions that can create havoc for you. Absolutely. And that's why when we started this, I said, it's very simple. What you just said, those are simple techniques and they just, they take our focus off the negative narrative that we're telling ourselves and redirect it onto something else that makes us feel better. And that's rewiring our brains, literally.
1: Literally. Yeah.
3: Literally. (laughs)
2: Oh, my God. I feel like I'm in the presence of two like s- amazing smart women because I'm like, oh, yes, yes, yes to that. Yes to that, too. Yes.
3: Like attracts like. Oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> the things you guys are saying I was like, I can do that. I can do oh, that, absolutely. too. Like even everyone can I'm, do it. Like I think I've already like started that mindset process. But I mean, like you said, like consistency, like you, it's something you got to work on every day. So I will be taking into account what you ladies are putting down. Awesome. (laughs) That's great. For me, I think, I mean, Pam is a great resource, guys. You guys got to check out her website if you want to start that process. What's Within You website, we will link it in our podcast episode. But I think also, like I was mentioning earlier, like for me, for me personally, everybody's experience is going to be different. But for me, Mm -hmm. it was having to step back and realize That enough was enough. Having to step back and realize that you were helping all those people, maybe your intentions were well, but who was helping you? Who was prioritizing you? And Mm. so I think you got to take that time to like step away and be like, okay, now's the time to do what is it that I need to do to please myself? What is it that I need to do to for my own well being? So definitely like step back, do what you got to do, and it's not selfish and it's not narcissistic or egotistical it's Mm -mm. like if it's not any of those things because i think putting yourself first is something have struggled with it because we're human and i think like you're saying we're so used to being human gets its rep of like we're all bad people and we hate each other and that's sometimes it's true and sometimes it isn't but i think for the most part like as people we we want To help other people like that's the thing like it's embedded in us like we want to help other people like that's what human nature is that's what human body is we want to help one another, but at the same time we need to help ourselves.
3: You bet you can't give from an empty tank I mean as cheesy as the analogy is that's the reason why they tell you on an airplane to put your mask on first, because if you're on the ground second wind trying to get air you're not going to be able to help somebody else put their oxygen mask on. And it's the same thing. It really is. If you don't make yourself a priority and you treat yourself like an option, I can guarantee you other people are going to do the same. Ex-
1: yeah, I, exactly. Because the way that you treat yourself, it does, mm-hmm. and that energy does showcase to other people, people will take advantage of you, like because people will see that basically you don't respect yourself enough. And it's not that they see it that way, they just start to notice that you're willing to always accommodate for everyone else, you know, so they feel like they can get more out of you, but I think it's super important to take care of yourself first in the long run every day because you're the person that you're with for the rest of your life, you know?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Wise words. Wise words. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So I agree, like, you know, I guess my advice is like do the work. Maybe hard and maybe intimidating, maybe scary but it's going to be so worth it at the end it's going to be so 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 worth it so just do the work whether that be doing your research studying about it whether that be going to therapy and there's multiple forms of therapy it's not just Mm -hmm. sitting in a with it's not just sitting in a room with a therapist it can be exercise it can be journaling it can be meditation even astrology
1: Mm -hmm. it can be whatever (laughs) you
2: want it to be also like, you know, a little daily dose of you time, whether that be like taking a little nature hike or a nature walk, spending time with friends or family, taking yourself out to eat, you know, a little bit of self-love, self-care, getting, just get to understand yourself better.
3: And then yeah,
2: literally the world starts changing.
3: It certainly does because your mindset changes, which changes your perception of what you and how you see things.
2: Well, that wraps up the episode. Thank you so much, Pam, for joining us. I'm going to give Pam a chance to shout out her social media, her website, all her resources. You guys want to follow her and start your process in regards to changing your mindset.
3: I just want to say thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to be with you guys. And I just love, A, kudos to you both uh, for this awesome show, but for the work you're doing on yourselves. That's fantastic. Oh Yeah, okay. so I can be reached at my website whatswithinyou.com or you're welcome to follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn and Pinterest under the screen name what's within you it's the letter U.
1: And don't forget to follow us on our social media pages to be up to date on what we have going on in the self-conscious podcast, such as who our guests will be on upcoming episodes, podcast collabs, small businesses, highlights, announcement, and so much more. Our Instagram page is self-conscious podcast and our Twitter account is at Conchas podcast.
2: Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Like always, I hope you resonated with this episode. Learned something from it. If you like this episode, go ahead and subscribe to the Self-Conchitas Podcast. We are available on all your favorite podcasting apps. And might as well share this episode with a friend or family member. The more listeners, the better. We post new episodes every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Eso es todo por hoy. Me and Evelyn will see you all next week for a new episode. Until then, have a good one, Conchitas. And remember, don't be so self conscious.